Welcome back for week three of the Ball with the Beast podcast brought to our good friends at Wyatt Insurance Group. Tennessee did not come out on the winning thing, uh, winning end of things last week, falling at the Swamp Pole. And, you know, now they go back out of conference play. Um, what were your overall thoughts of the Vols lost to Florida? You know, uh, obviously disappointed the, the outcome of the game. Um, you know, I, I know there's been a lot of talk about Joe Milton over the last couple of days, but just as disappointing had to be the defense. I, I thought this defense was much improved through the first two games over what we saw last year, faster defense, even more physical defense up front. Uh, but man, Florida just pushed them around. I, I think that was kind of the bottom line from, from that side of the ball. Uh, somewhat undisciplined, disappointed. And then on the offensive side, uh, look, you know, Joe Milton has to find some kind of consistency. You come out on that first drive and look like a million dollars. I mean, that's the Joe that everybody that got his highest high. That's who he is. And I don't know. You guys obviously watched the game probably more than once. You go back and look at things. I thought Florida may have, may have changed some things up after that first drive. I don't know if they went a little bit more man press and weren't just going to let Joe sit back there and pick him apart. Maybe they put a little bit more pressure on him. Um, but but I thought that just his inability to get in the flow and that's kind of been his story through the first three games is just not being able to to stay consistent you can see Heupel try and call plays to get him into a rhythm they do a ton of horizontal stuff if he can't get it going vertical to get him into a rhythm and you know they're going to have to figure out a way to get that going and then in the second half offensively I liked how they they, they leaned on the ground game um at, to come out of to, to come out of halftime to maybe take some pressure off of Milton, but they're they're going to have to figure out the right uh, rhythm, the 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 right way to to balance run and pass offensively and then defensively. Uh, that that was a little you got to take some pride in your game and, and step up. Uh, you know, I know UTSA will be a little bit of a challenge. They're not a bad team, uh, but then moving into the rest of the season with South Carolina, et cetera. You know, if you're the defense. You take this week very personal against a lesser opponent who's still not bad, but you need to take this week personal as a certain coach out in Colorado has been talking about recently. I was going to say, do you agree, Hubs? <laughs> um, no, I, I think when you look, yeah, I mean, you got to play with an edge. I think Tennessee's got to get to an edge. Uh, I, I think Florida actually ended up making Joe read more um, in the second half because they, they, they could control the line of scrimmage with a four-man front. Um, which neutralizes some things that Tennessee wants to do. Um, Tennessee has to win whenever the box is in their favor. Um, and, and what I mean by that is if it's a light box, they've got to be able to run it effectively. If it's a loaded box, they've got to be able to win man coverage. Um, and, and and I don't think Tennessee's doing enough of that consistently right now up front in the line of scrimmage with their offensive line uh, and with Joe's play. Um Communication-wise, I mean, they're just not playing fast enough, AP. I mean, you know, even if you have a bad play, sometimes that's better than a slow play with this offense. And I don't think they ever stressed Florida's – they had one drive where it felt like Florida's defense was stressed, Austin, and that was, I guess, in the fourth quarter. They threw about three or four in a row to Brew McCoy, and and Florida looked gassed, and then there was an injury, and they kind of caught their breath a little bit. But that was really the only time you thought, man, here they go. Uh, outside of the first drive. Here they really go, and th they have got to get to that because that's such a big part of what they do offensively. If they can't if they can't gas the defense 
it's just going to be hard for them to to do the things that they want to do, and that fans are used to seeing them do the last two years. Paulie's pick of UTSA and Tennessee will be up later in the Ball with the Beast podcast, presented by our good friends Wyatt Insurance. But before that, let's take a look around the league. We'll start with this week's matchup between Memphis at Missouri. Now, this is a Missouri team that had a huge win last week, 61-yard field goal at the gun to beat Kansas State, longest field goal in SEC history. Um, But it's also the same Missouri team that barely beat MTSU the week before, and now they play a Memphis team who, you know, got a win in front of like 14 people last week at the Liberty Bowl. (laughs) Yeah, over Navy, so uh, who's not been a good program the last couple of years. You know, Missouri's an interesting team. Did not see that win coming at all last week. I don't know about you guys, but uh, started to get a little nervous in the second half after all three of us picked Kansas State, and then Kansas State just – laying an egg in the second half there and allowing Missouri to win. Um, you know, if it was at Memphis, I would seriously consider uh, picking Memphis. Um, but but I just, you know, Missouri at home, they should be more talented. Uh, so, that, you know, I, I think um, Missouri should be the better team. But like AP pointed out, they are not a – they're not a great team. They're a very below average, bottom of the uh, pecking order in the SEC team. So anytime a decent, um, you know, group of five team comes in, uh, you, you have to pay attention to them. But, you, you know, th- this is a game that M- Missouri should win, but we'll see what we pick later on. I'm interested to see what everybody says about this because Memphis is not a bad team. No, they're, they're, not, they're not a bad team. And, and AP, strange neutral site game to play this one in the Dome in St. Louis as opposed to playing it at Missouri. Um, well, I don't know what that means. or I don't think it's going to draw a big crowd there. Story Holt and Isaac Bruce aren't walking through that door, Robert. <laughs> I don't think that I don't think the greatest show, is not walking through that greatest show on turf. The greatest show on turf is not taking place there at the old what was that the T T W A Dome or T R W Dome or something like that was the uh, was who it was sponsored by. Um, strangely about that Missouri game last week, if the tight end from Kansas State catches the ball, Missouri gets beat. I mean, and that's college football. I mean, one play away if Kansas State executes to the tight end, they play ugly and get out of there with a win. Um, and that's that's the game of football. So we'll see. I, I I'm kind of all over the map on Missouri right now. AP, I'm not sure what they are. Yeah, Paul. No one saw the uh, Kansas State uh, Missouri game last week. None of us picked that one. But what we did see, Hubs and I did foresee that UNLV was going to be Vanderbilt. The fighting Barry Odoms. The fighting Barry Odoms. Golly, I wanted to take it, but I just thought Vanderbilt. Come on, you're an SEC team. You know, and you know they didn't like spend too much time out the night before in Vegas. That's not, you know, that's not Vandy style. No, I mean, that, hey, hey, that that's two teams that I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't think Barry Odom is is putting UNLV on the map right now. But that's, <laughs> that's a hey, that's a big win for for them early on in his tenure. To go, I know it's Vanderbilt's not very good, but still, you're claiming an SEC win, AP, right? I mean, you're early in your tenure. Here's the one thing about Barry Odom: he can coach defense. Now, can he get enough offensive help around him? I don't know, and all those types of things. I mean, they're not going out and upsetting people right now, but that's that's a big win. UNLV hadn't had one one of those in a long time like that. I don't think Vanderbilt's very good at the end of the day, though. Well, another team that can claim another SEC win is BYU. They went to Arkansas and and picked up a win over the Hogs. Now the Hogs travel to Baton Rouge uh, to play LSU. That's a bad loss. Do we give J.J. Jefferson, the Otis Nixon of uh, SEC football, (laughs) 
I don't, man, that's a bad – last week that was a bad loss for Arkansas, uh, for Sam Pittman and, and kind of their trajectory, their program. That's that. I mean, you had control of the game early on, um, and then you let BYU back in it. You, you know, K.J. Jefferson's kind of been the same guy for the last, what, three years, maybe four. I don't, I don't know how long he's been there now, but it seems like forever. But big dude, he can run the football. He's yep. got a big arm. But uh, he, he never seems to come through when the moment counts. I don't know. I mean, he's just not a clutch player. I don't know if that's the, the most fair thing. Uh, I, I think – LSU was woken up by that loss to Florida. Um, Jaden Daniels is still obviously a really good football player. Uh, the Napier kid at, at receiver is a stud. Uh, he's going to be a first-round draft pick if he stays healthy. Um, so, man, uh, you know, our, Arkansas, uh, the way a Sam Pittman team should play, control the ground, beat up another team, I just don't know that they'll be able to hang with LSU for four quarters uh, just because of how explosive their offense is, I, I'm, I'm, I know they lost that game to Florida State earlier than in the year. But uh, where, where, what do you guys? Is LSU still the favorite in the West in your guys' mind, especially with everything going on with Alabama, or, or, or are they? Is that still more uh, cloudy, still more muddy for you guys? I, I think, in my opinion, I still think LSU's the, the favorite. I, I think it's a total toss-up. I mean, A and M could be. I know they lost the game to Miami, but, you know, we'll see if they can get things going. Alabama, you can't write them off. I mean, you know, I mean, we've seen that script before where you think, oh, this is you where they, you know, take a step back. You know, I know they've not looked impressive the last two weeks. They um, had four first-round draft quarterbacks in a row, man. There's yeah. nobody even getting drafted in that quarterback room right now. They look yeah. – it, it, it's, it's rough. But I, I just think it's a total coin flip right now in the West. I don't think you'll know the kind of the – the real contenders for the West until the end of October. What do you say, Hubs? Well, I think LSU is the best – is right now the best team in the West. Cohesive, the most cohesive. Yeah, the problem that you have with, with LSU is uh, Brian Kelly has a history of having a stinker somewhere along the way, <laughs> right? Just a one, Now, maybe, that, maybe their stinker was the second half against Florida State and, and they run the table. But they've always kind of had – even where he's been, you know, Notre Dame – you know, big game, big moment. They kind of mm, something. You know, they they lose a game they shouldn't lose. They they always have something where they put themselves at risk for for losing a game. And and, and you just wonder if that is that is that a And M. You know, wh- when does that game come about? I, I don't know. I, I think LSU is the best. I think at Arkansas, and I love Sam Pittman, but I think there's a little bit of wonder because the 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 bloom is off that a little bit based on. I mean, that first year was awesome. I mean, here's a guy that. Nobody thought could be a head coach. That was a a surprise hire. And then he takes the deal AP where it's you reward me for wins and don't take the guaranteed money. And he's the, he's the anti-coaching world. Right. Um, But boy, they, they, they have not, they have not played well. Now they've been riddled with some injuries. They are not the same defensively without Barry Odom. Um, They they feel like they're going a bit in the wrong direction, much like Paul Fortenberry driving to Wichita, Kansas when he left Tulsa, Oklahoma. (laughs) No, we left Norman. Oklahoma City. Norman, Oklahoma. We're, we're, we're going leaving Oklahoma City. Supposed to be going to Tulsa. Ended up headed towards Wichita. We still made our flight. We made our flight. That's what counts. <laughs> Point being is, you took Rob Lewis an hour the wrong way, and 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 you've never heard the end of it. You live to tell about it. I just wanted some extra time with Rob. Some w- extra windshield time with Rob. <laughs> it was good bonding time. I thought. <laughs> 
there's at least a 50% chance they would go bury you out there near Terra Lingua. <laughs> hey, Hubbard, do you remember the steakhouse on Friday night is the question. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great steak. Um, I'm not sure how we survived getting to eat our meal without getting thrown out. <laughs> That's the question. In a stunning development in a restaurant that was, uh, the decor was, I would call it an industrial decor. Right, not not like of soundproof ceilings. It was very open, very yeah, 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 you know, absolutely kind of noisy. And and AP, this comes as a great shock to you. Rob was loud. I I I know you've never seen or heard that. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Rob was loud. <laughs> the heck of a steak, though. Uh, uh, that it was, was a great day. meal. It was a fantastic meal. I, it was just one of those loud, kind of cringing, like uh, let's let let's. Let's don't savor it. Let's just hurry up. Yeah, just like cut it up and get it. The best, one of my best Rob dinner stories. Uh, speaking, of, we talked about Missouri. We landed late on a Friday night in St. Louis, and us and uh, PB Patrick Brown, we got pizza at some like local pizza spot that was really supposed to be good. And you know, me being a good traveler, I asked the waitress, "Hey, I'd love a local beer." And uh, she looked at me like, okay, a local beer from St. Louis. And obviously she brings out a Budweiser and Rob just, you know, <laughs> just loses it. Oh my gosh. Almost as good as your taco gas stations. Uh, or ta hey. Tacos at the gas station. Hey, uh, they don't sponsor this or I'd give them a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to Alabama hosting Ole Miss this week. Uh, you know, Alabama has looked pedestrian. They've looked mortal. Um, last week, I mean, a, 30, a touchdown with 30 seconds to go by Ty Simpson to make it 17-3. to three. Before that, it was 10-3. to three. Late in the third, it was tied at three. I mean, th this is a, an Alabama team that offensively searching for answers. They're going back to Jalen Milrow at quarterback this week. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how this plays out. I'm told that uh, when they went away from Milrow last week, a lot of the upperclassmen, they were not happy. I think there was some uh, disjointed locker room. Nick trying to kind of get that thing steered back in the right direction, but they still are – they have major deficiencies on the offensive side. Yeah, what's the old saying? You've got two, three quarterbacks. You really have zero quarterbacks. I mean, that's that's the story for, for Alabama. Um, Is there a Noah Brandeis? That's the real question. <laughs> I mean, they, they look so – you know, I can't remember the kid from Notre Dame, his name for the life of me right now, but – I don't know that we'll ever hear Donner from Buckner. him again. Yeah, Donner Buckner, he, he got buried out there in Terra Lingua. We, we may never hear from him again. He that got was... buried out near Terra Lingua, too. <laughs> they moved him. He, he, got, he never made it back from Wichita after he went out there. Uh, no, I mean, they just look so uh, – what a poor performance offensively. And, and I get in the second half the, the, the weather started to, to play a part in there. But um, just no explosiveness. And it's not just the quarterback play, but they don't have the surrounding cast. I mean, you look at the the studs they've had at running back and receiver that they you, you could throw a slant to and a and a ten yard slant turns into a sixty yard touchdown. We we I haven't seen that out of any of those guys. Um, so I, I think no doubt there's a quarterback issue there, but it's not just a quarterback issue when we're talking about Alabama standards, right? The, you know, when we're looking back at who who they've been over the last few years, man, and and I. I um, if there's one thing Lane knows how to do, it's he knows how to score points. He knows how to scheme up plays. And start the uh, pot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, I, I mean, I, I just I, – this seems like uh, 
such a personal game for for Lane. You know he wants to to go in there and win uh, at Alabama, um, and their offense is clicking. Uh, I'm a huge uh, Judkins fan. He he's a stud. He's a beast. Um, they at least have their quarterback situated with Jackson Dart, and they've got a really good backup and the kid from Oklahoma State. Um, they bring on a little bit here and there to play. So I, I'm a I'm a you know I'm a I'm a Lane Kiffin believer right now talking about this Alabama game. Well. Uh-huh. Here's go ahead, Rob. Go ahead, AP. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, do, do we chalk up last week as just not motivated after the Texas loss to play South Florida at the Buck Stadium? Kind of a weird neutral. I mean, I, I know it's not really a neutral site game because that's where they play, but at the same time, like it's not like you're going into a, a, an on-campus venue that holds thirty thousand. You're going into an NFL stadium um, where you know right there off Del Mabry hubs. There's a lot to do for those uh, young uh, college football players. Yeah, here's my thing. More so than whether or not it was a overlooking game, trap, whatever you want to call those types deal deals. Here, here's my biggest takeaway is just to the bizarreness of it. Okay, in, in the standpoint of your starting quarterback that loses that, that that in the Texas game where you don't win. Who did? I mean, he had bad couple bad interceptions. He, he not only did he lose the starting job, he went to inactive. Okay, I mean, he he was basically if you're putting out an NFL report, he was inactive for yep. last Saturday because you're sitting there in a ball game that's close. You need an offensive play. He's your best run around creative guy, and you you don't play him at all. Okay, so you're thinking coming out of that game, well, he's suspended, right? He refused to go in the game. There's major issues there. Then you get the bizarre, and there's been some bizarre stuff in the SEC this week from coaches. You get the bizarre response from Nick Saban. We're going back to Melro because he was a good cheerleader on the sideline. <laughs> Are we giving out participation trophies now? I mean, like, did he get the juice? That's that's Nick's best way of saying, hey, that was a I, I should have played him. That Which, means that- yeah, I mean, like, but but because of how he responded on the sideline, maybe maybe he didn't knock the kids over to get the juice box from the mom. <laughs> he gets to start again. It's really, really bizarre. And then Lane Kiffin, being Lane Kiffin, creates a second narrative for Alabama this week and suggesting that they've, cha- they've demoted defensive coordinators. So now, like, everybody's – here's what everybody's asking in Alabama right now. What in the heck is going on? which for Lane Kiffin is, is an absolute home run. I mean, part of it, he didn't have anything to do with. It's the way they managed the quarterbacks. And then he created this second narrative about who his defensive coordinator is right now. Creating consternation. Yes. We will yes. pick that game in just a minute. But before oh. that, Polly, you're on the road this week watching Markel, Liberty, Florida International. Even when you're away, though, you're there for your clients at a wide insurance group. Tell us how. Yeah, well – literally answering emails all morning, but no, uh, we're, we're, you know, we're getting to the time of the year too. We're, we're seeing a lot of insurance rates, especially in the state of Tennessee go up, uh, for personal lines and business. And, uh, yeah, if you, if you're interested in, Hey, what, what are, what are other companies doing? You know, we're an independent insurance agency. So we have access to dozens of markets, both commercially and on your personal lines. I would say just give us a call, um, 865-862-3997. 
or just email me at Paul at Wyatt Insurance. Uh, we, we've had a couple of conversations about that um, in the last couple of weeks, people interested and um, wondering, hey, yeah, it, it, my insurance has been going up, but you know, we've had these crazy weather events. Uh, we see inflation and that's all impacting your insurance rate. But as an independent insurance agency, we're able to uh, to take your account to the market and, and find the best coverage and the best pricing for you. So yeah, reach out to us and uh, we'll definitely be able to help you out. And if you like some of those Rob Lewis stories that Paul was telling earlier in the broadcast, you can get more of those by signing up with Paul. Give him a call today at Wide Insurance Group. Paul, Paul's going to open up an 800 line. He's going to charge $2.50 for the first minute and another 75 cents for each additional minute to tell Rob Lewis stories. He's like, he's like the main, he's like the WCW hotline with Mean Gene Okerlund back in the 90s. <laughs> right. Mean Gene. I love that. Um, all right, let's get to the picks. Because of the big win last week for UNLV over Vandy, it evolved into a tie with Paul. Hubs one game back. Wilcox. I'm still mad at you, Justin Wilcox. Go ahead. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd be in the lead. Absolutely. Uh, Kickers. So, let's get to the picks this week. And, and I, I, we had a good point because this a lot of this, we see this as video. But the people listening in audio, everybody took Texas A&M. Everybody took Kentucky. Everybody took LSU. Everybody took Florida. Everybody took Georgia, Missouri, and South Carolina. Okay? Perfect matchups. In the Ole Miss-Alabama game, though, it is Hubs trying to get us tied as a triumvirate. He took Alabama. Paul and I have taken Ole Miss. We're buying the hype of the disconnect for the Tide. Well, I just sold the disconnect really hard, and then I picked Alabama. Makes a lot of sense, right? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. You I, told I, me if Melrose played, you thought they would win. And, yeah, and I mean, and I think it's back, and so I, I think this game gets really gets more interesting because of that. Can Ole Miss in a tight ball game make a play? late can their offense make the play later is lane going to pull one of those hey it's fourth and two at my own 28 no. I, I think i'm going to go for it here because I, I go for it and, and 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 get the game out of white early in the second half I mean, is, is he going to have one of those moments or is he going to coach it differently because i think right now with where alabama is you're playing field position more than you've ever played because you don't feel like as you mentioned earlier paul they can score on an 80 yard slant on you like, it's hard for them to score right now. So, don't make it easy for them. Does Lane play that way, which is way, way, way out of character for him to do that? I'm interested in just the whole – Milrose, obviously the guy, right? We can all agree that based on what we've seen out of their three quarterbacks, you've got to play him. But he's also the guy that we've seen that has the best chance to help you win the game – but also may be the guy that loses the game for you. Can, can he in the fourth quarter not turn the ball over? Uh, can, can he on, on a third and eight or a third and seven when they, when they need a first down, can he, can he you know, get a first down ball? Uh, we know he can scramble with his legs. So that's – I think, you know, in today's football, I just lean towards the team with the best quarterback and the best quarterback situation – and that's, that's why I picked Ole Miss. I just think, you know, Jackson Dart's playing really well. Alabama, like we've talked about, so unsettled. Um, now, it's a tough place to play. Man, Alabama's, you know, Bryant Denny's a, a crazy place to go into and, and try and get a win. Uh, but when, when you have quarterback issues, it makes it a lot easier for the other team. Hubs won't get this. Paulie, you'll love this. Lane Kiffin, he's Anakin Skywalker. He's the guy, he's the chosen one. He's the guy that's supposed to bring balance to the force at Tennessee. Then he becomes Darth Vader and leaves. This week he gets a chance to kill the Emperor and uh -huh. put him out to pasture against Alabama. 
and really be, you know, again, you lose this game and you're sitting there with two losses at the end of September or not even to the end of September, technically, this thing gets really, really interesting in Tuscaloosa. No, no question. I mean, because they have not been there because at two losses, you're out. You're out. I mean, you're, you're, you know, unless you go and find a way to win the West and and win the championship, you know, the league championship in December at two losses, the narrative changes and the discussion is not just is Alabama out of it, Paul, it's is the Saban dynasty over, you know, how much is Nick going to go? Boy, Nick doesn't have good control of this team. Blah, blah, blah. blah. The new, the new world of college football is, is, is upsetting Nick Saban. He can't manage it. All of those storylines are going to come creeping in really fast. If Ole Miss is able to win this game in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. I think this is one of the most intriguing you know, it's a one-game thing, but it could have ripple effects because it is, it's it's a question of, you know, since his first season, they've been playing for a national championship all the way through the season, right? They've been in it all the way through the last weekend of November until the Auburn game, and they maybe they lost or something. And so if they do lose this, how does he captivate a group of kids that came there to play for national championships with, you know – quarterback turmoil and locker room you know we've seen how locker rooms can come become divided with a group of 18 19 20 21 year old kids we we've all personally seen that so how does how does nick when things aren't going well um hang on to that hey real quick i was surprised no one took mississippi state at south carolina i Uh, would have but mississippi state was such a no-show against lsu i mean just such a no-show and a noon game in startville that was like that was the head scratcher. Now, my, my question with South Carolina is can Spencer Rattler keep playing at the level he's playing at right now? He's playing really well. Austin's made a great point all week long. They're great between the 20s. They're not finishing drives well enough in the red zone, which is a concern for South Carolina. I just was totally befuddled, Austin, by Mississippi State's no-show. That game – I mean, they were out of that LSU game two drives into the game. It was over. It was never a factor. I think it just boils down to the fact that he has done such a hard shift on the offensive side of the ball. And I yeah, think Will Rogers, I, I just think Will Rogers, it, it, I know that he's selling, you know, hey, this is going to help me for the NFL. But I think this is, it's like, um, it's like putting, you know, normal and then you go cross handed. And, and, you know, but you do it like, not like when you're just out playing with your buddies, you do it in a, in a, in a, in an individual tournament. Like, you know, like you have this hard, hardcore change, like, I mean, I just think it's rough, and I think it's really, really hard. So, right. wait, hold on real quick. Will Rogers said that the reason they changed the offense is to help him get to the NFL? No, no, no. That's what he's selling, though. Like, this will help me get to the NFL. I'll be in a lot Bro, of you need to typical offense. You know, I mean, he's saying all the right things to back his head coach who made the move um, to get away from – They know, need to be throwing the ball 50 times like they were with when, when you know, Leach obviously brought in the air raid. That's – that's what made them so distinct and unique. And I honestly think they can do that. I think they can flip back to the air raid and let Will Rogers call it from the field. I like love them. Yeah. The long, smart kid. They're competitive. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing. They have not, as Brent pointed out, they they just laid a dud last week against where you know they've been competitive against the really good teams in the West recently. Maybe not Alabama, but you know, obviously against Ole Miss, LSU. A and M, I I love the air raid offense. I think when they change directions, that's that was not the best idea for them. 
That's right. Uh, it's like when you start, you know, taking your w- wallet and put it in the back pocket. Um, Tennessee and UTSA, we know who you're going to pick, Paul, but at the same time, tell us why Tennessee wins. Man, I, I do think it'll be a, a, a closer game than – I think the spread's probably right on. Last time I looked, it was 14 and a half, maybe 15. Uh, UTSA is not a bad football team. Uh, the trailer guy down at Texas – um, he has a lot of, uh, of Texas guys that want to play for him. They love that program. Um, they have a, a, a unique style on offense. So I, I think I think UTSA will score some. Uh, this, you know, what was it? Austin P a couple weeks ago was a get right game for yourself. Uh, but this week is you're going to have to pay attention to UTSA, um, and you've also got to you got to have some pride. Uh, on the defensive line, but uh, I think Tennessee wins a, you know, a thirty-one seventeen or a thirty-five seventeen. I, I just, uh, I don't know that that this offense. I think we have to reframe our offense. It's not the same offense last year. They lost too many people. Uh, they lost the first round right tackle. They lost two receivers. They lost Hooker, who's been the best quarterback here in a long time. Um, they. This is not the same team, and so we can't expect the same results. So I think Tennessee wins. I think it's a closer game. My mind is starting to shift to try and figure out, hey, this isn't really – you know, this is very much a new chapter in the Hypel era, not necessarily as maybe as smooth as a transition as I thought it was going to be. He is Paul Fordenberry, and alongside Brent Hubs, I'm Austin Price. This has been the Ball with the Beast podcast, week three in the books. We'll be back talking more – football around the Southeastern Conference next year. Make sure you like and subscribe this video. Give it out to more and more Vol fans. And don't forget to call Paul at White Insurance Group. They have been an integral part of the Ball to Beast podcast. Make sure you give them a call for your insurance needs. We'll see you next week, everybody. 